What was the best thing about being his brother? Oh man, I would always enjoy when his birthday would come around. Not mine, but his. Because get this, everyone else would get presents on his birthday. I don't know, I just always enjoyed that. Who doesn't enjoy that? That is awesome, hello, welcome. My name is Cindy, by the way. I am one of the pastors here. And last week, um, as we were flying back from California, I had an epic attack of expectations not meeting reality. We, the flight there was great. We checked in, got on, took off, came down. The flight back was canceled because of Nicole. Thank you, Hurricane Nicole. And then, so it was canceled two days, so we went back two days in, and it was a red eye, and it's the first time that I've ever been on a red eye, and I didn't know what to expect. I thought at first, this is a great idea, sleep all the way through the night. Like, why doesn't everybody do this all the time? Like, why do people fly during the day at all? This is fabulous. You go to sleep, you wake up, and you're there. And so I was excited about it, but the the flight was canceled, and then because it was a red eye, it wasn't even taking off at 10.30, which makes me a little worried, and I'll tell you why. I do not do well at night. <laughs> I am not a night owl. I do not, I'm not the partier. I'm not like, it gets better as it gets later. I get worse as it gets later. I don't think my brain works very well, so I was a little worried about that, but I'm like, already we have our neck pillows, got my sleeping mask, we're, we're ready to go. We get there, and we get there too early, and we can't even check in our bags because we didn't know. And so we had to wait and wait and wait. And then we finally checked our bags, got through the security, got to the gate, and it was delayed one more hour. So now it's 1130. And now inside, outside, I'm cool and calm. Nobody knows. I'm kind of freaking out inside. I'm like, what in the world? It is so late. But just remember, you can sleep on the plane, and when you wake up, you'll be in Florida. It's not that big of a deal. And so we boarded the plane, we sat down, and here we are ready. We are ready to take off. And as soon as I'm like right ready to put my um, mask on, and I hear the pilot say, so guys, we have to wait for a maintenance paperwork, um, and it's going to be about 20 minutes. And I'm like, okay, we're really crowded. I'm like scrunched in between my two, my son and my husband. And I'm like, okay, okay. So I put music on and I'm starting to get tired and I'm just really tired and it feels like an hour goes by and it was probably only like 10 minutes, you know, because I was tired. I was so tired already. I was so ready to go to sleep. And actually my husband, he went to sleep like that. And I'm like, you know, looking over at him and being really irritated, like, sure, you can go to sleep. It's like I just needed to know that the plane was going to go, like, before I could go to sleep. And so I, it felt like forever, and I hear, hey, guys, you know what? We still haven't got those, that paperwork, and we're just going to sit here, and we're going to wait, but that's okay. We're going to make great time when we, as we take off. And I'm sitting there, and I'm starting to think, what if I never get off this plane? <laughs> what, if, what if we just sit here all night long, and I have to sit sleeping up and not get where I need to go? And you know when you're that tired, when you're so tired, like you start to think crazy thoughts, like things just don't seem to make sense, like this one that made me laugh after the fact, which was this, what if I never sleep in a bed again? <laughs> I don't remember what it's like to lay down. 
how is this? I'm like, this is a terrible idea. Why would anybody do the red eye? I cannot sleep while I am up. And then finally, about 1230, I heard the captain say, the pilot say, okay, guys, we've got the papers, and now we're going to take off. And I thought, thank goodness. And I could feel us moving. And then I peeked, and I'm like, we're not going anywhere. And it was about 10 more minutes before everything was going, and finally we took off. And I did fall asleep. I didn't feel like I did, though. I really felt like I stayed up all night long. Um, And we landed. We got here in Florida. But the expectations that I had of this red eye were severely disappointed of the reality of the experience. And truth be told, I don't want to do it again. (laughs) I'm good. Check that off. Did it. Done. Why is it so hard for us when our expectations don't meet the reality that we're experiencing? Why is it so hard when we are planning and we are working and we have this idea of what life should be or what season this should be or what should happen now and it doesn't happen or it gets worse? Why is it so hard for us? We get discouraged and part of it is because we get fatigued. And fatigue is not just tired, it's when you have uncertainty and conflict for an extended amount of time. And so that uncertainty and that conflict, you start to think crazy. You start to get discouraged. You start to think thoughts like, why am I here? How long will I be here? This will never change. What if this is my life forever? How can I get through? It's because we're fatigued. And this is exactly where the new church in Jerusalem was that James is writing to. He's writing a letter to people who had an expectation and an immediate joy at following Jesus because it's amazing. It's amazing that first time that you receive him and he fills your soul with something that wasn't there anymore and the emptiness that you walked around with suddenly is filled and you can't even find a name for it, but you know that you're not lost anymore, that you're not wandering anymore, that you have a purpose and that you have someone that can help you through, or at least that's how I felt. Like, I am no longer alone to navigate this life in. But life doesn't happen the way we expect it to, whether you follow Jesus or whether you don't. The reason we struggle with it is because of these two things. I believe that it's we believe two lies. The first lie is this. If we do what we are supposed to do, then we'll get the outcome that we want. If we do the right things, we'll get the right outcome. And so we all work really hard at doing the right things. Now, the right things for you might be different than the right things for the person next to you. Like you each have your idea of what is right, which is why we clash so much. Because you're like, I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do. And you're like, you are not supposed to do that. I'm supposed to do this. That's one of the things. The other big assumption that we have internalized is believing this. We believe that it's trials or triumph that is trouble, that we have seasons that are hard or we have seasons that are good so that when it happens at the same time, we're confused and we're disappointed. I thought this was supposed to be my time, my season. I've already been through that. I personally blame sports. It is the agony of defeat or the triumph of victory, but it's not. That's sports. That's not life. We believe that life is either one thing or the other when the truth is it's all together. You have triumph and you have trouble, sometimes in the same day or the same hour. In fact, when you have trouble, when you're in a trial, it actually builds the triumph muscle. 
It's something that in our lives, not only should you expect it, but what James is saying, when this happens, you're experiencing it right now, I want you to not give up. I want you to keep going because I know you think you're gonna be in this spot for the rest of your life, but it's not true. It's not true. I was not gonna be on that plane forever, even though I thought for a minute I was, and I I thought in my mind, I'm gonna run screaming out of here because at least I'll be on land because I didn't wanna be stuck in this little confined place. And James is writing to people that he's afraid will give up. And he is telling them over and over and over again, don't give up, I know it's hard. Let me tell you how you can get through this. In fact, in James chapter five, we discover how to triumph in trouble. This is what he's telling us. In fact, he's gonna tell us four things that will help us triumph in trouble. Now, James is, as we see on the bumper, the Jesus, the, let me try that again. James is the brother of Jesus. And I didn't know that the first time that I read the book of James. And the reason is because he introduces himself not as a brother, but as a bondservant of Jesus, a bondservant of God. And what a bondservant is, is somebody who voluntarily gives up all their rights for their life. And James was the brother of Jesus, grew up with him, watched him do his ministry, did not believe in him, because why would you believe your brother if they said they were the Messiah? Your brother says a lot of things that you don't believe. Why would you believe that one? And so he watched him, but it wasn't until he watched him minister in the streets and then die on a cross and then get buried, and then he rose again, live. He went from death, he was dead for three days, and then he came back to life. And James said, yes, you are the Lord and Savior of the world because nobody else has died and come back. And here is Jesus. And then now James has said, I'm a bondservant. You have, I have no rights to my life anymore. And I love James. I, you know, he may have been the brother of Jesus, but I really felt like he was my friend when I first started walking with him. When I first started following Jesus, James was a book that I could go to to see how to do this thing. What does this look like? It was very, he's, I love him because he's very straightforward. He writes real straightforward, really clear, and he's action-oriented. I love it. What can I do? What do I need to do? And he goes, here's what you need to do to live the life that God has called you to live at this time, and I know it's hard, but don't give up and, and stop believing some lies. And he's just straightforward, and I absolutely love him. And we are in chapter five. And we're gonna discover together through this how to triumph in trouble. Not or, it's and. But while you're right in the middle of something that you think is so impossible that no one can turn it around but God, you're in the exact right place to triumph in trouble. And we're about to find out how. So let's get started. The question that we've been asking in this entire series is, Is the goal of your life to truly become more and more like Jesus? Is that your goal? And it was my goal when I first started following him. And what I love is that when I look at becoming like Jesus, it is having a relationship with God like Jesus. It's trusting God like Jesus did. It is, he had surrendered his whole life and he said, God, I'm here to do your mission for me. 
And then he died and he rose again. And then he said, hey, guys, I'm going to share this relationship with you. All of you can have the same relationship I have with God. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter where you come from. What matters is that you are a child of God and he loves you. He's chosen you and he preached it. He exampled it. And so to become like Jesus, I was so excited. And it's a great thing that should be the goal of your life. And it sounds great and nice, and it is. But there's a time in your life when you realize that believing in Jesus and becoming like Jesus means you're rejected like Jesus, that you're persecuted like Jesus, that you'll be wrongly accused of things because of Jesus. And the one who ultimately gave his life for the mission of God, that God's going to ask you to sacrifice is the goal of your life to become more and more like Jesus. And we have four things that we're gonna learn, and we're gonna start in chapter five of James and wrap this whole series up. And he starts off with strong words. Say strong words. Strong words. Strong words. He's, he wants to catch your attention. And this is he said it actually a couple times in the whole letter, but he really wants to, to drive it home. And this is what he says. He says, Uh, And I want to let you know that before we jump in, before you hear these strong words, that the first thing that you need to do to triumph in trouble is to check your perspective. Check your perspective. And then this is what James says. Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in these last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay, the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who is not opposing you. Those are strong words. And really, it's a picture of this. It's a picture of, listen, you see your luxury now, and you see your um, wealth, and you have your stuff. But listen, at some point, it's going to rot. It's going to tarnish. Your clothes will rot. Your houses won't be yours at one point or it won't exist at all. These things are temporary things and you're building your life on them and you're putting your security into them. Stop. He's saying, check your perspective. Do you have a temporary perspective or an eternal perspective? He said, listen, your lives are short. Are you gonna live it for what lasts? Are you gonna spend all your time trying to feel secure and make sure that you and yours are taken care of? Because at the end of the day, all of it will rot and it will all go away. Check your perspective. When, you're, when you are experiencing trouble, when you're facing it and you don't know what's going on, check it. Am I thinking what I need to do is, and I, I have a tendency to do that, I wanna be safe, I wanna be secure. When I was 19 years old, maybe 18 years old, um, the goal of my life was to become a millionaire by the time I was 30, nice. right? But why was because I wanted, I figured that would be safe. I'd be secure. When trouble came, I'd be able to, nothing could touch me if I was there. Now, when I surrendered my life to Jesus, 
I let that go because I didn't have to worry about wealth anymore because I had the love of God that doesn't change. Everything else does in this world. Check your perspective. Do you have an eternal perspective or do you have a temporary one? When you're facing the trouble, do you feel like you're just gonna make some choices and it's, it, the tendency is to hoard and that's what he's saying. He says, stop hoarding what you have because you're not supposed to hoard, you're supposed to help. If God has given you lots of things to be stewards of, to take care of, to manage, if he's blessed you, then why has he blessed you? Because in the hard times, in the trouble, that's when people need help the most. That's when you have to ask God, why did you make me a steward of this? Why did you give me these blessings? It's so that you can bless others. Are you hoarding or are you helping? And can I tell you, it has nothing to do with what's in your bank account. It's not the state of your bank account. It's the state of your heart. This isn't legalism. He says, where's your heart? Put it on eternal things and know that what you do now is temporary. And where you are now is temporary. And what you have now is temporary, except for the love of God, which is eternal. And that will last, and you will last. How to triumph in trouble. The first thing is to check your perspective. And the second thing is to cultivate patience. Cultivate patience. He says this, starting in verse seven. Be patient then, my brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See, how the farmer waits, say wait, waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Basically, he's saying this, not only do you need to check your perspective, you need to cultivate patience. And patience is not an emotion. It's an action. Patience is not about how you feel. It's about what you do, and it is to wait and stand firm. And he gives this example of the farmer. What does a farmer do? A farmer takes seeds that are very little, and he plants them in the ground, covers them over in the darkness, and then he doesn't see what's happening. He can't see it. And he's got to wait and he's got to trust, and he's got to trust that that little seed is breaking open and life is coming out in the darkness, and he's got to trust that it's gonna do what it does, and he's got to wait for the rain. And when the rain reveals something is there, that's great. You gotta wait for the harvest, because here's the thing. What would he do if he wasn't sure? What if every, like, every two weeks he went out and he dug up the, the seed and said, how are you doing in there? That's what we wanna do. Instead of cultivating patience, we wanna rush around and fix things. When I get in trouble, when I'm in a trial that I didn't deserve, that has nothing to do with me, but absolutely affects my life, I wanna know what can I do to get out of it? And God says, you need to sit in it and just wait and trust me because God is doing something. You can't see it and it's in the dark, but when the time comes, it will happen. Stand firm, cultivate patience. The next one, so we've got Check your perspective. Cultivate patience. The third one is this. Choose perseverance. Choose perseverance. And perseverance, again, is, not an, is, is an action, not an emotion. It's not how you feel. It's that you don't give up. 
Perseverance is no matter how hard things are today, you just take it one day at a time and don't give up. Don't give in to disappointment. Don't give in to distraction. Don't give in to fear. And it's a choice because every day when you are facing trial and trouble, you have to choose to keep going. You have to choose to do the next right thing. You have to choose to do what you know God is asking you to do. You have to check your perspective. You have to cultivate patience, and you have to choose perseverance. The fourth thing is this. Center yourself in prayer. Center yourself in prayer. Verse 13, if anyone among you is in trouble, let him pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you will be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Center yourself in prayer. Not only do you want to know that your perspective is not temporary but eternal, not only do you want to wait and stand firm, not only do you want to choose to keep going, in the middle of it, you want to put yourself in the middle of the presence of God. He says, you need to pray. You need to, if you, you need to pray, and you want one of the best ways to pray is to worship. Worship is just another language of prayer. It's a place where you can get saturated and surrounded by the presence of God. And if you are surrounded in the presence of the enemy, if you are surrounded in the presence of a trial, if you feel like you don't know what to do and you're going to get, give up, surround yourself with praise and worship. Remind yourself who God is. And then it says, get in community. Don't be alone. Ask for prayer if you need it. If you need forgiveness, and you do, so do I. Ask for forgiveness and you'll be forgiven. Confess. Confess, which all it means is to tell the truth. Just tell the truth and it'll set you free and it will do a healing that's beyond possibly physically and emotionally and mentally. I love James. And he says, center yourself in prayer. Center yourself in the presence of God. I have made, I've curated a playlist for you if you want it, that if you need to surround yourself in worship, you can go on social media and there'll be a link to that playlist so that you can listen to it when you feel like you're giving up. Listen to it when you feel like you're tired. Listen to it when you feel like it's just too much and you're, this will be your life forever because it won't. It won't be your life forever. God is with you, and he does have a plan. You will get to where you are going. We did go from California to Florida, and I did sleep in a bed. You know, when you do face something that's so impossible that the only one who can turn around is God, it's terrible. It's a terrible place to be until it's triumphant. It is a hard place to be until you get a breakthrough. Don't give up. Don't give in. Surround yourself with the presence of God. The anointing, it says to anoint. It says, if anyone is sick, call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And you know, oil is something they would use as a symbol first of God's presence. 
It's a symbol of God's presence. And then he would anoint kings, prophets, and I can't remember the third one, priests. And it was, you are set apart. They would put the oil on them. And he said, this is a symbol that you are set apart by God for this time to do this thing. If you were a follower of Jesus, you were anointed by God to be here at this time to do something with him. You are anointed, but you cannot do it if you quit. And you can't do it if you give up or you try to mess with it, that you have no patience. You want to try to fix something. You know, a rosebud, if you don't want to wait for it to bloom and you try to make it bloom, what do you do? You destroy it. You ruin it. Be patient. Persevere and surround yourself in prayer. One of the other things that I have um, prepared for you is a wallpaper for your um, phone that you can put on your home page. It's not what it's called, but whatever. You guys know what I'm talking about. The thing you look at every time you open your phone. Your home screen, that's what it's called. I have a wallpaper because I love wallpapers because it is to remind me of what I need to do to get through where I'm at. And that when I face trouble, that what I need to do is check my perspective. I need to cultivate patience. I need to choose perseverance. And then I need to surround, center myself in prayer You and I were made to live from the center of God's presence. This is what becoming like Jesus means, living in the very center of God's presence and then living our life out from that. This is how James ends his letter. Verse 17 says, Elijah was a human being even as we are. He prayed earnestly earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Elijah was a human being. Elijah was a human being. You might be thinking today, I can't do miracles. Sure, he can. He was a prophet, but I cannot. And that's why this sentence is in this letter for you, because Elijah was just a human being. I'm just human. You're human. God did the miracle. God is the one who answers prayer. God is the one who heals people. God is the one who changes lives. He does the miracles, and for some reason, he wants to use us, and that he will work through us to do them, but it's not my power, and it's not your power, but it is God's power, and over and over in this chapter alone, he says God is near. God is full of mercy and compassion. God is standing right at the door, and all you have to do is reach out and ask for help. Pray with faith. A righteous prayer doesn't mean that you're perfect. It means that you're right standing with God, that you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, and you trust what he said about God, and you trust that what he showed who God was, that that is who God is. And then when you put your faith in him, that your eternity is secure because nothing else is on this earth. It's all temporary. It's all temporary. But God has anointed you and called you. You've been born at this time for a purpose, on purpose. You're chosen right now to do something with God. Do you know what that is? Do you know? And I can tell you that the enemy knows and he wants to stop you from it. So he'd like you to get discouraged. He'd like you to quit. He'd like you to run around and rush around and miss or ruin the harvest that God has for you. Don't give up. The greatest miracle of all is when someone 
receives Jesus. New life in Christ, oh, that's bigger than all of them because that's an eternal miracle. He can call down fire. That's what Elijah did. He called down fire. It like happened in 2.5 seconds. It's over. But when you put your trust in Jesus and you start to follow him and you start to learn how to live like he created you to live, that's an eternal promise that Jesus himself fulfills. It's not even about your work. It's about his work on the cross. We exist to introduce people to Jesus and help them become who he created them to be, to help them discover who God created them to be. That's why we're here. And James ends this with, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and, some, that, and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. Maybe you're here today and you've been praying for someone who's wandered away. I want to challenge you to keep praying. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep inviting them. You never know when they're going to come. Last night at, one of, at our beloved Thursday night at our last beloved Bible study, there's a great testimony of a woman who had a friend that just kept inviting her to the Bible study. And she said, no, no, I don't need that. I don't need that. I don't need that. Until she found herself in the absolute middle of absolute trouble and trial and wanted to give up. And she came. And that was two Bible studies ago. And now she's not alone. Now she has given her life and surrendered her life to God. Has it gotten her out of trouble? No, it's gotten worse. But she is not alone in it. She walks with God. God works through her, and she has a community of people around her. Don't give up praying for them. If you know someone that's wandered off, go bring them back. Maybe today you are the person that's wandered off. Maybe somebody's invited you today, and today is your day to surrender your whole life to God. Today is the day you're tired of putting your hope in temporal things, things that rot things that don't last, things that absolutely don't give you what they think they're going to give you. You were created by God to have a relationship with him. And today may be the day that you make the best decision of your entire life. And you choose to trust Jesus with all of it. If that is you right now, I wanna give you an opportunity to pray. And if you are watching right now on the video, I want to challenge you to pray this prayer as well. And I want you just to go ahead and close your eyes. Like everybody, just close your eyes just for a moment. Because this is just between you and God. It's not between anybody else. And if that's you, I just want you to repeat in your heart or out loud, whatever you need to do. Repeat these words. God, I need you. Come into my life. I accept the forgiveness that Jesus offers and I surrender my life to him. This life that you've given me, I give back to you. Help me to discover why you created me and to live the life you created me to live. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you just prayed that prayer, you just made the best decision of your life. And I wanna ask you to take one more step with me. And that is to 
take out your phone and text the word Cape Yes to 94000. We're not going to send you a bunch of information. We're not going to barrage you with stuff. We just want to help you take your next step because we love you. And we want to help you grow into who God has created you to be. So do that for me, and you will get a few videos, and know that we're praying for you. Know that if you have questions that we are here to ask, if you need prayer today, if you're online, click the link. If you are here, we have people in the prayer room waiting to pray for you. We really can triumph in trouble. With Jesus, we can and will. Don't give up, my friends. Don't give up. Check your perspective. Cultivate patience. Choose perseverance. And most of all, center yourself in prayer. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this, these words, these words of encouragement. God, that give us what to do when, when we are in the middle of an impossible situation. God, meet us there and help us, work through us, fill us, because it's hard and because we absolutely do want to give up. But God, I know that if we don't, there's more for us than we can even imagine. Go with your people and empower them. Thank you for the new ones that just joined the family. In Jesus' name, amen.